Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. You know, I was thinking of all the waste in my life, you know, that sounds like such a depressing way to start a message, but just the, the time that I've wasted worrying about stuff that never happened or the time I wasted worrying about stuff that happened but it didn't even happen the way I worried about it happening and then God always gives you the grace if you seek him and ask for it to get through it anyway. Not only wasted time, but I can think of just wasted years with certain attitudes I've had and the way that I was spending my time, the way that I was spending my thought life, just waste. Am I depressing anybody yet? What about like wasted money? I mean, I can look at stuff in my closet. There's not a whole lot of waste, but just waste. I mean, we have stuff that we haven't even taken out of the box yet. Wasted stuff, you know? Y'all are elbowing one another. Um, There's people moving at this point. But, you know, just in our lives, there's so much that, that can be wasted. What about relationships, even? The investment that we put in certain relationships. You know, whether it was a dating relationship or a friendship. Um, the investment that we put in, in the places that we felt like that was just a waste. But what I'm excited about is that God's Word shows us so clearly, and He's been speaking to my heart so loudly lately that he doesn't waste anything you know so often god is reflected in nature and if you think about nature god's creation he is our creator nature doesn't waste anything nothing unbeknownst to my husband i'm sure there is a purpose for cedar trees when Lacey was a a Young man, um, which he still is. Yeah. Um, but he used to go to his parents' place in the country all summer long during co- college while he had a summer break, and he would chop cedar trees. I remember when we were first married, I wanted to pull over to the side of the road during Christmas time because we had this little teeny tiny apartment. I was like, we have to have a Christmas tree. And he was like, we cannot afford to get a Christmas tree. We're not getting one. I said, but we have to. So we pulled over to the side of the road, and I was like, it's this cutest little Christmas tree. And, of course, it was a cedar tree. And he's like, I hate cedar trees. There is no use for them in God's planet. I hate them. You know, and it's because he spent all summer chopping them down. But that's not really true. There is a use in nature for everything, and God shows himself so often in nature. But even more powerful than nature is God's word, because God's word created nature itself. And God says through his son, Jesus Christ, let nothing be wasted. He tells us through the story of the loaves and the fish, bring me the fragments. Bring me the leftovers. Let nothing be wasted. That's what he told his disciples. Even the righteous have waste. In other words, even those of us who have been born again through believing in God's Son, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that's what we're called. We're God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? 
Isn't that good? Even though you're imperfect, even though I have many faults, you are God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. And God says, even the righteous have waste, basically, because he says, the Lord redeems his servants and no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. In Psalm 34, verse 22, redeem means to restore and to buy back. And you don't need to redeem something unless it needs redemption. And he says here that he redeems his servants. So he's not talking about people who are out there just not caring about God. He's saying even those who love me, who serve me, need redemption. Continually, every part of us, every part of our life. And God desires to redeem our life. As I mentioned earlier in John 6, verses 3 through 15, there's the story of the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus says to his disciples in this story, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And that is such the cry of my heart this morning. For us to realize that we can gather the pieces of our lives, the fragments of our lives, the things of our lives, the time, the money, the relationships, the mistakes we've made, all of it, and give it to Jesus and say, I'm going to trust you to redeem this. Let nothing be wasted. God doesn't waste anything. Nothing. In this story, it says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far, how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. So if there's 5,000 men, let's just say each one had a wife, and let's say each one had one child, which they probably had more than one. That's 15,000 people. And Jesus took the loaves, and gave thanks and distributed to those who received as much as they wanted and he did the same with the fish and when they had had all they needed to eat he said to the disciples gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted what would be left over on a fish don't you think on a fish there would probably be eyeballs and scales and skin and So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten and the fish. And after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. First lesson is you've got an impossible situation. You have way too many people than you could possibly help. Or you just have an impossible situation in your life that's way above your head, way above your capabilities, way above your resources, way above your talent, way above your wisdom. And God says, hey, give me your little. 
and I'll multiply it and I'll make it into not only enough to meet your need and those around you, but there will be tons left over. That's a huge lesson from that. Another thing that I'm always reminded of is a story about Maddie when she was little, just in line with giving our little to God and letting him multiply it back to us. And that is, um, when she was about three or four years old, my daughter and I went into Walgreens, and they always have at the checkout counter stuff you don't want your kids to have displayed really in places where your kids see them. And they had this big, giant Mickey Mouse lollipop about the size of a plate. And it was a dollar. And Maddie, of course, wanted one. And so we went into Walgreens. I bought my stuff. It's right at the register. And I said, no, honey, you can't have that. And she kept going in, in, on and on and on about, you know, Mommy, I really, really want that lollipop. I said, no, you don't need to buy that. And finally we got in the car. And you know how kids get on a subject and they don't drop it. They just keep on and on. And finally I just said out of exasperation, half truth, half exasperation, was, I was like, honey, you know what? If you want that lollipop, God wants you to have it. You'll get it. Just pray about it, okay? Next time we go into Walgreens, lollipop's still there. I forgot about the lollipop. My three-year-old did not forget about the lollipop. So I go to pay for whatever merchandise I'm buying. She sees the lollipop. She goes, oh, Mommy, I really want that lollipop. And I said, no, honey, remember I told you? We don't need those huge lollipops. Because those are the kind that, you know, they lick like three times and they break and they're all in your car seat and they're in between the car seat, you know, and you sit on them and you have broken lollipop on you for the next, like, year and a half and... No, you do not need that lollipop. Well, the cashier kind of is looking at me funny, and I'm realizing, what is she looking at me funny about? And I look down at my daughter, and she has her eyes closed. She's praying. And the cashier is looking at me like, what in the world are you doing to this poor child? And Maddie's praying. And when Maddie looks down, and, and as she opens her eyes, she sees a dime on the floor. And she gets so excited. She's like, Mommy, Maddie, look what God did. I have the money to buy the lollipop. And she picks up the dime and she plunks it on the counter and she has no idea that it's not enough. The lollipop was a dollar. But see, my heart, as her mom, said, I'll just pay the rest. See, when we plunk our dimes on the counter, even in an impossible situation, God's heart says, I'll take care of the rest. The little that you have, he will multiply. The barley loaves and the fish, the desire of the, the disciples, the desire of Jesus to feed those people, the little that you have. But that's not at all what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is the fact that Jesus said, gather up the fragments, gather up the leftovers, let nothing be wasted. Those are the mistakes we've made. Those are the fish eyeballs and the scales and the skin, the stinky stuff, the wasted years, the wasted time investment we've had in relationships, the wasted finances, the waste. Jesus says, gather it up. Let nothing be wasted. God redeems our waste if we give it to him. Isn't that a great thing to know? 
We know that Romans 8.28 says that all things work for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. We know that to be true. We have to know that he also means that the waste in our lives, the things we did not purposefully, just out of ignorance, the things that were done to us, and even the things that I've done purposely, out of disobedience, out of rebellion, None of that will be wasted if I do what? If I love God and I give my life to Him. You see, God said to the disciples, go and gather it and give it to me. And that's our job. I've got to gather it and give it to God. I've got to say, here it is, God. And then I have to trust Him to redeem What I get so excited about is the fact that, you know, we know that God is love. And when we give everything to God, we're giving everything to love itself. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us something that's so significant. It might be the most significant scripture. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 13, 8. The word of God says, love never fails. When I gather up the waste in my life and I give it to God, I can know that it will be redeemed because love never fails, ever. The second thing that I think of about gathering up the waste in our lives is the scripture in Isaiah 30, really Isaiah 30, 15 through 21, and it talks about repentance. You know, not only does love never fail, but repentance, turning away from those things that we shouldn't be walking towards or looking at anyway. But not only that, repent means to turn from. Some of us need to just turn from our past. In other words, we need to quit feeling guilty about it. We need to quit feeling bad about it. We need to quit staring at it and thinking, this was a waste, this was a waste, this was a waste. I should have spent more time with my children. It's a waste, it's a waste, it's a waste. I should have done this. I should have done that. Sometimes repentance also means turn away from it. Gather it up. Give it to God and say, this is my waste. And I am trusting you to redeem it. And do something with it. Because I can't. In Isaiah 30 it says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Verse 18. But if you go back to verse 15... It says what he's waiting for in order to be gracious, in order to show us compassion, in order to do those miracles he's waiting for two things. In verse 13 it says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In repentance and rest. You know, God waits sometimes for us to turn away from those things, for us to quit thinking about those things, for us to quit regretting those things, And to turn away from them and not only ask for forgiveness from them, but give them to them. And then rest. And then this is so beautiful. In verse 18, he says, he rises to show you compassion. Where would Jesus rise from? The King James says that Jesus sitteth at the right hand of the Father. And when we come to him in repentance, when we ask for forgiveness from whatever waste we have, 
and we gather it up and give it to him, it says that he actually rises from his seat to show us compassion and to give us grace, to give us mercy, and to bless us. Verse 18 goes on to say, Blessed are all who wait for him. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more how gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. That's huge. Because we live in a generation where we just leave emails and messages back and forth and we just expect it. I love it that we serve a God still, but as soon as I cry out, he answers me. As soon as I gather up the fragments of my life and I say, God, I'm so tired of feeling bad. I'm so tired of feeling like I should have and I could have. I'm so tired of it because I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. And as soon as I cry out to him and I say, I just gather it up and I just give it to you and I trust you to do something with it because you said that I could gather up the fragments in my life and you wouldn't waste any of it. He hears me. He answers me. And then I can trust him to do those things that only God can do. I thought about what are some things that are wasteful I touched on it earlier, just people and relationships. You know, sometimes we feel like we've, we've just poured ourselves into a person or into a relationship, and we feel like that was just such a waste, you know? Sometimes it's even a, a church situation where you feel like you've put so much time and effort into something, and you're like, that, that was not what I thought it was. But see, we can even give that to God. And say, don't let this be wasted. You know, one of the things that I think we learn from people is our great need for God. Uh, many times I think I'm really, really holy. My husband laughed. Until I get around people. And they start to irritate me. Or until you get into a family situation. At Easter or Christmas. Or Thanksgiving, and you're around that one person that you just pray for, God bless them. You know, be nervous if you live in Texas and somebody ever says, bless your heart. They really want to slap your face. It's coming. <laughs> oh, bless your heart, you know. We need to realize that God doesn't even waste that relationship because it's showing us that we need people. And it's teaching us the things that we need to change or that he needs to change in us. There are so many ways that, that he can use relationships that look like a waste. Sometimes we exert so much energy into friendships and then we realize, you know, the friendships that matter are the ones that God has put me with, not the ones that I've sought out. I think about the times in my life when I would think that I needed to be friends with a certain group of people. And it would just take so much energy and so much work until later I realized, you know, when I just pray and say, God, you bring me the right people to be yoked with, to be entwined with, to walk on this earth with, it's full of grace. And I had to learn that. There's not the work. There's not the struggle. But I had to learn that from being in relationships where there was so much work and so much struggle. See, God's not going to waste that. I think about just investments and 
just the times, I, I remember specifically less than a year ago, Lacey praying about an, a certain investment and really asking God and, and praying about what he should do and he invested in a certain stock and it went south. And that was a tough, tough deal. And all of us have been in situations where we feel like financially, what just happened? And Lacey kept praying and kept praying and said, God, don't let this be wasted. You know, please, I'm trusting you. Don't let this be wasted. And yes, that stock ended up going back up. But there are things that we don't understand that happen financially, that we have to trust God. I made a mistake or I thought I heard you and I didn't. And don't let it be wasted. I'm going to trust you that it not be wasted. I remember giving money to somebody that I thought really was a legitimate cause. It was several years ago. It was probably 10 or 15 years ago, actually. Maybe more. And it was a significant amount of money to me. And then later I found out what they had used it for. And I just felt sick. And I went to God with it and he was like, no. So you made an investment out of your heart. And with the law of sowing and reaping, that will never be wasted. That person has to answer to me. But I will restore you. And I can tell you, he has. Hundreds of times over. We have to trust God that nothing will be wasted. You all know my pantyhose story. I don't think I'll tell that again. But, you know, even the... I guess I will now that a lot of the men are looking nervous. Even the, the, I've told you all before that I used to have such a spirit of fear that whatever I found, I, I would never be able to find it again. And so I would stockpile, which is fear. I'd find a certain pantyhose or a certain lipstick or a certain even salad dressing, whatever it was. And I had so much fear in me that I'd never find it again that I'd buy like six or seven of them. And so I remember this certain kind of pantyhose being on sale, so I just bought like, tons of pantyhose. Well, I didn't know that the spandex or the nylon or whatever it is after a while, it, it loses its elasticity. So I have this whole drawer full of pantyhose that's like size 42 because it's like stretched out to beyond recognition. Now, I can make special little tints with it or something. But I haven't even thrown it away because it's such a reminder of me for me. And it causes me such laughter and joy to look at that and say, you know what? That was a waste. But you know what I learned? God's my provider and he's going to provide. And I don't need to be fearful that I'm not going to ever find that item again. You know, sometimes we just have to laugh about stuff and say, you know, God, there's more to that where that came from. All money is yours and I have to trust you. I have to trust you that even the money that you've entrusted me with is yours. Please forgive me if I've been a bad steward. I was a bad steward. I've been a worse steward in other areas. I'm not telling you those stories. But we have to trust him. Here's the waste in my life. Redeem it. Restore it. Or you can spend your whole life regretting and saying you should have and you could have and pretty much waste today resenting and regretting yesterday. It's our choice. I thought about another thing that wasted time, and um, that's just stupid jobs. Have any of you ever had just a stupid, stupid job? No one? Okay. 
I just remember a really good friend of mine when we, um, I guess it was during college break, and he went and worked in restaurants on the river, and he worked in a particular restaurant. It was just a stupid job. I mean, he was just around people that were just, I don't know, with lifestyles that were not uplifting, and and it was just the hours and and everything. And I said to him one time, I said, gosh, you know, your summer, this job, it just seems to be such a waste. And he said, no, it's not a waste. I said, why is it not a waste? I said, this is such a stupid job. And I won't go into great detail, but it really was a stupid job. Do you all know what I mean when I say stupid job, where you're just like, why am I even coming to work? What is going on? Why, what are we doing? And he looked at me and he said, it's not a waste. I said, well, why is it not a waste? He goes, well, I learned I don't want to be a waiter. And not that being a waiter is a bad thing, but for him and his life, he was saying, hey, this isn't a waste of time because I learned what I don't want to do. I learned what I'm not good at. And believe me, he was not good at it. Some people are waiters and they're incredible at it. They enjoy it. So sometimes we have to look at the things that we've done and realize this was not a waste because I learned this is the road I don't want to go down. We have to experience it like that. I even have college classes. How many of you had college classes that you could pretty much say were a waste? Whole college education, maybe? Okay, we're going to hope none of our children listen to the CD. But I learned what I don't believe in a lot of those classes. And because Lacey and I were already married for at least part of my college career, if you can call it a college career, you know, I had that oomph in me to go up to a couple of professors, one in particular who was talking very dishonorably towards women and using language that I wouldn't want to even hear in any movie or any television program. And I said, I'm paying for this class. And I don't think that you should be talking this way. I'm offended. You need to apologize to every female in this class and to every female the next time we had class, all 300 and whatever of us, he stood up and apologized. And I thought, gosh, that was not my natural personality. But see, that waste of time class brought that out in me. I changed, I grew, and I this is what I believe, and I stood up. That was not wasted. Sometimes we just need to go back and say, God, would you just show me something I did learn? Sometimes in dealing with someone that we consider to be not truthful, that has done something wrong to us, especially in a business deal, maybe you could learn what you don't want to be. God never wastes anything. And also, he always takes it one step further and says, hey, you know what you're going to learn right now? Forgiveness. It's the greatest lesson we could ever learn. Because the Bible says that if we can't give forgiveness, we can't receive forgiveness. We freely give because we freely receive. And we don't do it for them. We do it for Him. God doesn't let anything be wasted. You know, spending a lot of time in the hospital could be a real waste. And I spent months in the hospital taking chemotherapy for leukemia. A waste. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, my little girl, she was four years old. I wanted to be with her. That time was wasted. No, it wasn't. 
I had to trust God to watch my child. I had to trust angels to be with her. I had to trust Lacey to dress her. You know, God doesn't let anything be wasted. And I think about it now and I think about why our CD is such a huge part of our ministry. And it's because messages, the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, changed my life, saved my life, redeemed my life, is still cleansing my life, changing my life. And one of the things that I want to do so much in the ministry right now, and I'm just praying about how to do it and, and how it could come together, but that is take weekly free messages from our ministry, CDs to hospitals, to, to hand out to patients, especially on the cancer floor, where they're given nothing but bad news, where they're given nothing but somber looks, and for some of them not even knowing Jesus. And not only knowing that God, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not knowing, Luke 137, that all things are possible with God. Not knowing that God can restore the years the locusts have eaten, Joel 2.25. Not knowing, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, that, that God forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases, redeems our life from the pit, restores the years, renews our youth. You know, none of that time in the hospital was wasted for many reasons. God redeems time. I love these scriptures because I really was praying and and writing this message and saying, God, how do you redeem time? And I actually found two scriptures where he tells us how he redeems time. Wouldn't you want to know that? See, our most precious commodity in our generation is time. It's time. It's not money. We have to be good stewards of our money because money is a gift from God, but it's time. Because we're all going 900 miles an hour. And the one thing that we all feel like we're lacking is time. Time with my spouse. Time with my child. Time with my good friend. Time to get this project done. Time to stay in the Word. I'm going to have to slide this in here, but Jesus says he will take care of time if we just seek him first. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. And I can't tell you how many times I've had just this giant list of stuff to do with just this impossible situation. There's no way I could get it all done. And I was very tempted to just do my list, aren't you? And then maybe spend some time with God later. Well, every time I've sought God first and gotten the word or prayed or done whatever he directed me to do, that list is just, the things that should have taken 30 minutes took one minute. The things that should have taken two hours took 20 minutes. And he just works it out. I mean, if we would just learn how much more joyful and meaningful and miraculous our lives would be if we just did what the word said. Seek him first. And all these things will be added. Give your waste to him and he'll redeem it. But no, we gotta work it all out ourselves. We gotta check off our list ourselves. We gotta work out our lives ourselves. We gotta put ourselves in this guilt thing. Redeeming the time, Ephesians five, fifteen through seventeen says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, 
redeeming the time. How do we redeem time? We walk circumspectly. We think about things. We ponder things. We pray about things. We walk circumspectly. We redeem the time. And then God says, even though you may be around fools, if you walk in wisdom, you will redeem the time. You know what that means? People waste our time. People waste our time. And instead of being angry at the people wasting our time, we're to walk in wisdom. And the bottom line is wisdom is the Word of God, and the Word of God is Jesus. And Jesus is part of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God is love. And so what this tells me is if you walk in love, no one can waste your time. No one. No one. If you get in anger and you get in resentment and you try to control it all and you're mad at whoever for wasting your time, that's not walking in love. But if I walk in love, maybe I'm in a situation I don't want to be in. But if I'm praying and I'm trying to walk in love, I'm walking circumspectly, I'm wanting to react in love, or should I say respond in love instead of reacting the way that I would normally react in maybe a stressful situation, nobody can waste your time. Another thing that seems like wasted time or bad experiences, I think about just in my own life, the things that just seem to be such a waste of time. Just bad experiences. Can you think about in your life just negative experiences that not only waste your time, they're just waste. Chronic pain is a negative experience. Whether it be emotionally or physically, can think of surgeries that I've had, just a waste, things you don't want to go through. Leukemia, no one would want that. Wouldn't that just be a waste, a wash? See, not in God's world. If I give him those things, instead of me feeling sorry for myself or going back and reflecting on it and resenting it or looking for someone to blame, that no matter what you go through, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, maybe you went through a a divorce from hell. God's not going to let that be wasted. If you give him the fragments of your life, he will not let them be wasted. He will redeem that. He promises to do so. I think about just misdiagnoses that I've had. In one situation in particular, I had a surgery that I probably shouldn't even have had. It was not a major surgery, but I was just given way too much anesthesia. Way, 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 way too much. And I had a terrible, terrible reaction. Probably not going to pronounce it right, but it's called akinesthesia. But basically, I could not quit moving or stop crying for three days straight. I did not sleep for three days straight. I just paced and paced and paced. And my mind just went all over the place. And it caused mania where you can't think straight. And I was having nightmares and anxiety. And for the first time in my life, I experienced anxiety attacks that hit me over and over and over for six months. That medicine did not completely leave my system. What a waste. Or was it? You know, 
I'll never forget crying out to God. You know, we've got to go through stuff where we cry out to God. And just bawling and saying, God, how could you ever let this happen to me where I lost my mind? What a waste! But it wasn't. You know, I've never had compassion for people with mental illness like I do now. The one thing you don't want to lose is your mind. Do you know that the things that you go through, God can use in your life to have compassion and love. Deep in your gut, not just a little empathy or a little sympathy, but a compassion for other people. And now when someone says, Kathleen, will you please pray for me? I have anxiety attacks. Even though I don't have them, they stopped when that medicine left my body. When someone says, can you please pray for me? I'm having anxiety attacks or I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I don't say, oh, sure, yeah. Jesus, please help this person. Amen. My heart and my soul and my gut is in it. God will not waste anything in your life. And his desire is that everything in your life whether good or bad, would help someone else and glorify him. It brings compassion. I have some scriptures that I just want to read real quickly. I can't read all of them, but, you know, in saying this, I thought, you know, Isn't it amazing that God had Jesus come and live as a man? Why? So that he would have compassion. It says that Jesus suffered and he was tempted in all things, yet he remained without sin. Why? Because he lived in the body of a man so that he would have compassion. Moved in the very core of him to know how you're feeling and and why you're feeling that way. And he intercedes right now for you to the Father of God, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he says, let me tell you, Father, how they feel. Let me tell you the heart of a father when his son or his daughter is wandering. Let me tell you the heart of a man on this earth who is having trouble providing for his family. Let me tell you, Father, how painful it is to feel like no one loves you. Or to be rejected by your friends. See, Jesus experienced that and it brings compassion. In Matthew 9.36 it says that when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. In Matthew 14.14 it says that Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Mark 1.41 Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, Matthew 20, 34. And I think of us even having compassion on people, having compassion even on our children because of what we've been through. Think about the prodigal son. It says that this son who went off and wandered off and squandered his inheritance, wasted, probably went and got wasted, And yet when he came home to his father, the word of God says that when he was yet a long way off, his father was so filled with 
compassion that he ran to him. And I've studied that story many, many times. I've studied it from the perspective of the eldest son. I've studied it from the prodigal son. But I've never thought about the father. Why did that father have so much compassion? Because he loved his son? Yes, but I think maybe, just maybe, he knew how he felt. God didn't let anything be wasted. The stuff in your life, he can use for you to restore someone else. One of the things that is probably before I really studied the word and, and knew just the restoring power of God, I felt like the biggest waste in my life was in going through bulimia and you know trying to handle chronic pain by self-medicating and, and making myself throw up. And I thought, what a waste. There is nothing good from that. Until young women started coming to me and saying, you give me hope that I can get out of this. And even a few young men. And even a few people who are older than me. And one thing that meant so much to me, I remember this one time, and just feeling so shameful of, going, of having gone through that and, and really wanting to cover it up and not talk about it. You know, that's what we do when we go through something. We don't really want people to see that. And I had someone that I respected very, very much say, well, you know, I went through that, don't you? I remember thinking, you did? I mean, if you're going through something and someone that you respect says, yeah, I went through that. God delivered me of that. You did? You see, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the Father of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we received ourselves from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If you know nothing else to do, pray to God and say, this thing that has happened in my life that looks like it could never be redeemed, maybe it was a mistake of yours, maybe it was wasted years, maybe it was wasted finances, If you know nothing else to do, just say, God, I give it to you, and I'm going to trust you that you'll let me help someone else. You'll redeem someone else's life through this mistake. See, because that's the heart of God. He cares about people. And he will not let anything in your life be wasted. The only time it will be wasted is if you don't gather it and give it to him. Jesus said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments. Let nothing be wasted. But they had to say back to him, Yes, Lord. And they had to go amongst the crowd and get on their hands and knees and gather it all back up. Crumbs and bones and fish eyes and fish scales and skin and trash, pig slop. And give it to him. That's our job. 
but it's his job to redeem and restore. He is our redeemer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Gather up the fragments of your life and give it to him today. And watch him restore the years the locusts have eaten. Watch him restore the things in your life that look like nothing, nothing could good could come out of them. I wrote this poem for my dad a couple years ago. I think for his birthday, but it's called See My Heart. God, see my heart and hear its song. For human words cannot start. To express my inmost being, the very deepest part. Take my hand for the uphill climb and do not let me slide. Even if I pull away from you, hold me to your side. Gather my broken promises and all the things I've done. Rewrite the pages of my life to bring honor to your son. Teach me more and show me more and whisper in my ear above the noisy world around. Let your voice be what I hear. Make my days and years count, for quickly they do pass. Enable me to love you first and invest in things that last. And most of all, shine your amazing love through this life of mine, for only when my love reaches another can it be called divine. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you for the blessings of our life. And God, right now, in faith, through the name of Jesus, we praise you for our mistakes. We praise you even for the waste. Because you promise us that you will not let anything be wasted. That we can gather it up to you, give it to you, and you will redeem it. You will redeem it. And we trust you to do that today. And Father, we ask that not only would you redeem it in our lives, in our children's lives, that you would also use it in whatever capacity you choose for us to help another. Give us compassion, God. The very heart of God. In Jesus' name. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.